I think one thing, and I probably learned it pretty early on, but it took a while to stick was own your journey. You know, you, you are going to make yourself what you want to be. There's going to be hurdles put in your way, but you're also going to put hurdles in front of yourself. So work hard. And if you have a goal, go get it. And then, you know, there's some other things of like, you don't do anything by yourself. There's no Rambos in real life. Uh, so to speak is especially the military teaches you to you you accomplish goals through a team effort and nobody gets there alone this is episode 11 with former green beret and fellow veteran herb thompson welcome to take command with paul gowan i am a mustang marine turned international leadership consultant each time we come together i bring you inspiring people and messages to help you take command of your relationships your time and your finances so that you are free to lead the life you want. More than taking action, greater than empowerment, take command of your life. Starting in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Martin Luther King Jr. said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl but by all means, keep moving. And this episode is about that movement and owning your journey, learning from your past and transitioning to exceed the goals you have in your future. And Herb Thompson exemplifies this process. He retired in March of 2019 after over 20 years in the United States Army. He culminated his service as a special forces Uh, also known as the Green Berets, team sergeant in the 5th Special Forces Group. Before earning his Green Beret, he earned the 2008 United States Army Drill Sergeant of the Year Award, and he is the only person in the history of the Army to have earned that prestigious award and the Green Beret. He is the award-winning and best-selling author of The Transition Mission, a Green Beret's approach to transition from military service. Herb earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Studies from Southern New Hampshire University Online. He then attended the Tuck Next Step Graduate Certificate Program at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth and is a student at Cornell's EMBA program. He is currently a management consultant and resides at his slice of heaven in the woods near Washington, D.C. In his free time, Herb's supports veterans in transitions, hikes with his spoiled labradoodle Liberty Bell, and spends time with his two amazing young sons. In this Take Command conversation, Herb talks about the power of knowing that you're making a difference, how to go through transitions with excellence, and the power of reflection and introspection. And I asked him how he learned from his initial failure of transitioning from the military. Uh, the culture of entitlement that is occurring around the country and around the world in some uh, aspects, and how to have differing perspectives in a conversation with someone without being disagreeable. And you'll learn the surprising number of interviews that he went through uh, that he learned more about how to be in an interview. There's a lot of links to Herb for how to connect with him on LinkedIn, his nonprofit, and his book in the link below. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that during this conversation as well. I know you're going to love this one because if you are someone who enjoys that pursuit of more, that pursuit of your goals, and you are in a place of that transition, then this conversation is for you and you can pay it forward to someone that you know that might be struggling going through a change, a transition, whether it's a job whether it's a relationship or maybe they're transitioning something for themselves, then send them this link, 
paulgowan.com slash 011. Send this over to them and ask them what they got out of this so that they can apply to their life, their relationships, and the business. Whether that someone is a friend, a family member, a parent, a child, a coworker, whoever it is in your life that you think that you want to support and hold more accountable to them, having that successful transition. This can be a powerful episode for you and that person to create a conversation for how to support and care for each other because that's what this is all about is creating a community of growth and helping each other take command. So let's jump into today's conversation. I have got a fellow veteran, uh, special forces veteran. His, his name's Herb Thompson. Herb, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I know we're going to have fun and uh, it'll be a good conversation. Hopefully people have some good takeaways from it. I was looking at some of the things that we have in common. Uh, we got some grassroots experience in higher education and uh, you've taken that grassroots education and now you're like prestigious, man. You're, you're going to school at some of the top schools in the country. I love seeing that. Where, where are you studying right now? Yeah, so I'm currently uh, at Cornell in the executive MBA program. And then I was able to do a, a graduate program for a couple of weeks up at uh, Dartmouth at the Tuck School of Business. So I've been fortunate. What is that like coming from a, a, a background where are you older than your peers? Are you older than some of your professors? Uh, how is that experience for you? Yeah, for me, I'm actually, I'm right at the average age for the executive MBA. If I had went to the full time, like I originally applied to, yeah, I would have been 10 years older. But the good thing about the executive is the average age is 38, I'm 39. So, um, but such diverse backgrounds is probably the, the most amazing thing. So yeah, we have, you know, there's a big gap of age. I think the youngest we have is like 25 and then the oldest is uh, probably in their fifties. So, uh, there's a pretty diverse gap and, um, yeah, it's interesting to learn and learn from others. And that's part of uh, how you're serving right now. You're working with Accenture. And uh, I think that's another place that we have in common is being able to be that coach and that consultant. Uh, you've really cut your teeth doing this as uh, Army Special Forces, as a Green Beret. For the people listening and watching this, would you please share with them, like, what is that mission of the Green Berets that they, they may not be familiar with Army Special Forces? Yeah, most people, they see Rambo and maybe a couple other movies. The Truthfully, is not many movies about Green Berets. You know, they're usually about Navy SEALs and there's some Ranger movies and just some regular military movies. But that is the misconception. Is, as you can see right now, obviously, I don't look like Rambo. I mean, I, I wish I did for the summer and, you know, when I'm in my swim trunks, but I don't. And, uh, but we use our brains a lot. So, yes, can we, do we jump out of planes? Do we shoot guns very well? Yes. Do we do other things, blow stuff up, be able to do – yes that is a part of our job, but really we're there to work by with and through an indigenous force. So you send in uh, operational detachment alpha, a special forces team of 12 guys, which is never full, but in theory is 12 guys. And they train up an indigenous force, whether that's 500, whether that's a thousand people in, in that host country. So we don't have to send five, you know, a Marine infantry battalion or, a, you know, an army infantry battalion or, you know, whatever force would need to go in there instead. So that's really what we do is working with the populace and assimilating their culture and force multiplication of their, you know, to meet our strategic needs, but helping that country. So that's really what we do. Speak foreign languages, uh, able to do multiple jobs, but really the people skills is getting to work with each other and getting them buy in. Cause at the end of the day, it gives you a second of credibility when you show up and say, Hey, I'm, from the U S and they know there's some 
things that come with that, but you have to earn all that credibility. And that's often misunderstood with us is that's actually what we go out and do, you know, in the dirt, just drinking chai and uh, eating with the indigenous force and really making bonds that then we, we can go and employ them to meet, you know, protect their country and to meet our, you know, national objectives. And how does a person get started? Uh, and let's go way back. Like, what was it in your childhood that you felt this draw for patriotic service, military service, and then you just said, you know what? I want to go a little bit further. I want to push myself. I want to push my mind, my body. What was it like when you were younger that would have set those conditions for you to go on and, and be a Green Beret? Yeah, I think I didn't have any Green Berets in my family. I had a few people that served. I found out after I joined my grandpa was in the infantry in Korean War. I didn't know that. I think one of the foundational things was my parents took me to Veterans Day, you know, or Memorial Day events. And our little small town would have a parade and there'd be some old guy up there saying a speech, but it set the foundation of what our country means. And it's not perfect, but people need to go fight for it and freedom's not free. So it started there, just that, you know, little things like that in the community, some mentors along the way in school that had previously served. And then, I don't know, I knew since the age of seven or eight, I wanted to be a Green Beret. And then I saw, I don't know if it was National Geographic, what article it was, you know, back in the 90s, I saw a story about Green Berets. And uh, Mass Sergeant Roy Benavidez, who received Medal of Honor, his story is just incredible, and said, that's what I want to be. Now, it took me a while to get there, but uh, I, that was always a goal of mine, was to do that. So I knew as soon as I graduated high school, I was going to join the Army. And then from there, it took even longer to get to into Special Forces, but that was always a goal. Like, I'm going to make this goal. And I, I'm especially excited because one of the other things that we have in common is we are roughly the same age. I just turned 40. I had a COVID birthday. Uh, 40? I turned 40 in November. Uh, so you went and you served from 98 to 19, 21 years in uniform. And that was your adult life. What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned uh, across a 21-year career to our country yeah wow that's a I could write probably eight novels on uh, what I learned no a lot of things I think one thing and I probably learned it pretty early on but it took a while to stick was on your journey you know you you are going to make yourself what you want to be there's going to be hurdles put in your way but you're also going to put hurdles in front of yourself so work hard and if you have a goal go get it and then you know there's some other things of like you don't do anything by yourself there's no rambos in real life uh, so to speak, is especially the military teaches you to you you accomplish goals through a team effort, and nobody gets there alone. And then, I think really it's something everybody joins for a certain reason, whether that is believing bigger in themselves. Hey, mom, pa, apple pie, you know, American flag, college, whatever it is to get out of a situation. But you end up staying because of the people around you and what you're getting to do to make a difference. There's never a day where you're like. Am I making a difference? Like, no, I'm seeing I'm making a difference or I'm preparing to make a difference. So that was some big takeaways for me from my service. And I could go in, you know, deeper if you like, but that's kind of the, the wave tops. The, the, the highlight reel, right? Because yeah. after 21 years, that's a heck of a question. You've got 30 seconds. Tell me, tell me about your, <laughs> the past 21 years of your life. Uh, you know, and what are some of the things that as you are interacting now as a veteran, uh, are you facing stereotypes or misunderstandings 
around what you did, especially if you lead off with Iowa Special Forces or once people find out, uh, yeah, I was a Green Beret. Are there judgments, misunderstandings, assumptions made? And what are some of those top ones? Yeah, definitely. I, I would say also I was a drill sergeant. So I was drill sergeant of the year for the Army in 2008. And then I went to Special Forces Selection or my Green Beret. So I'm the only person in the history of Army that's done both those things. So like that and $2 gets me a crappy cup of coffee, right? But that gives kind of a stereotype. If you see on my resume, this guy's a Green Beret and a drill sergeant. For people that don't know, they know what they see on TV. And that guy could probably seem like an a-hole, for lack of better words. So for me, a lot of it was having to – and as you can see, I do have a big beard. I do have some longer hair. And I'm not the smallest guy in the world. You know, I'm 250 pounds, a share, you know, maybe 5'11 and a half, you know, just under six foot. But I'm not the smallest guy in the world. So a lot of people – and it was when I went to the program up at Dartmouth, uh, the assistant dean there was like, Herb, you're a very intimidating man. And I'm like – oh my God, we've sat here and joked together for two weeks. But I realized, wow, that is pe how people perceive me. So I need to smile more. I need to always be smiling. I need to maybe do some things. A lot of times I'll bring up my dog, Liberty Bell, the Labradoodle, because like, how can you not smile on that? And like be a little, you know, like, okay, this guy's not a, not a crazy animal or a killer, you know? And then the other part of it was the enlisted bias too of, I learned pretty quick in my transition that if I said, hey, I'm a retiring Special Forces non-commissioned officer, I'm a retiring special forces team sergeant. It automatically people shifted me one way. It's like, yeah. oh, you're going to go work here. But when I said, hey, I'm a special forces leader, they didn't really know because, hey, I got some gray hair. They're like, okay, he's, he's not young. They don't know whether I was an officer or enlisted. So there's, we all face biases. I mean, it's, there's evil in the world. There's judgment in the world. Everybody has bias. But if we're aware of it and we can implement some things to mitigate it, uh, could do that. And I mean, I had some other ones. Hey, I did my college degree online when I was in. I joined at 17, you know, straight out of high school. Um, I didn't have a pedigree or a background or a family name to go back on or a business. So I had to find, you know, own my journey and find where I'm going to go. And I had to make it. And there's some of that too of like, hey, you're here in this Ivy League institution now. Let's be real. I did an online college degree. You know, like <laughs> it's a big jump there. But the, being able to overcome that, I think is everybody overcomes things, but that's what, you know, builds character. I, and, and I love you giving the shout out to the online degree that because some of these uh, more prestigious universities, I think there's, there would be an awareness or a suspicion or a concern that that online degree is not going to be enough. Uh, you need to go have a higher GPA. You need to have a higher uh, pedigree. Like you were saying, how did you work with presenting yourself, uh, selling yourself? So that way you had that, well, you're in, you were admitted. So how did you negotiate that? What did you face? And then you're in the classroom now. So how did you do it? Yeah. I mean, at first I failed. I thought I, I, my dream was go to the tech school business, full-time MBA and I got waitlisted and I was like, oh, this is a failure, you know? And I had a rough weekend and then couple of buddies grabbed me and they're like, hey, bud, um, you did a college degree online. You're a retiring E8 enlisted guy out of the military and you just got waitlisted at a top 10 business school in the country. Like that is something to be proud of. And I was like, oh, wow. So it shifted my thinking. And that's what a lot of it is shifted my thinking of, wow, that was successful. Not quite full of success, but it wasn't failure. Uh, but really was selling, selling my, what is my value? What can I bring? 
And a big part of that was because, like we said, you know, since age 17, I've been in the military. I had nothing else to sell. If I didn't sell what I did in the military, I could have told them about, you know, a couple times I picked some potatoes in a farm field and working at Burger King in my senior year of high school. That's it. You know, what else did I have to sell to them? So I was able to do that, and that wasn't easy because, you know, Green Braves are known as quad professionals. You know, we're always taught don't talk about what we do, and I never did. And maybe if we had talked and we met for a half hour and we got to know each other, I would say, hey, yeah, this is what I do in the Army. But I normally wouldn't. But once I figured out, hey, I earned the right to leverage what I've, you know, what I've been through. And whether that's a Green Bray, you're a pilot, you're a Marine, whatever it is, you've earned that right. And once I realized that, that's what I did. Well, that gives you a little bit of credibility, it opens the door. And then I had to keep telling my story um, of, hey, this is the value I bring. And this is the experiences I've had both here in America, but overseas and working complex situations with people of different cultures from all levels. You know, I always say from janitor to CEO, whether that's farmer to ambassador, like I've had to deal with all of them in between. So that brings a lot of skill sets that certain people may not have, but it's at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I've done. It matters how well I can articulate it to someone. And then they see, okay, this guy is a fit here. We see mm -hmm. value. And that, that was an evolution. And I did it from talking with a lot of people, but that, that's how I was end up, if you want to call it successful, that's how I got here. And we were talking before that when you transitioned, here you are, the successful team leader, E8. And, and for the people that are, might not be familiar with that, there's only one more rank to go. E9's the top of it. So you were right there at the senior enlisted leading soldiers in like austere environments, teaching, training indigenous populations, grooming junior officers, because we talked about <laughs> with me being uh, that green to gold, I think is how the army says it. And we yeah. call it a Mustang in the Marine Corps. Uh, so then you're also balancing mentoring, guiding, shaping, leading those junior officers to have that, that right balance of tactics and strategies, academics and real world application, all of these things. And you go to get out and we talked about you failed and you, uh, you, you wrote a book about this, but what was what was it that you just missed the memo on translating the learning or you didn't anticipate something? Why was it that when we were talking, you said that that was a failure, that initial transition? Yeah, it was. And, and the good thing is I started early. So probably my first failure was going to the job fair doing that. I was still in. So I had time starting to apply to school. I was still in. So I had time. I started early. So fortunately, I was still getting a paycheck from the Army and I had that time to fail. But I still didn't quite understand how I could show my value. And it took, it took, I talked to over 2000 people did over 2000 informational interviews. Uh, so that helped, you know, going through interviews. And I talked about, I went to my buddy's company and did a, did a first interview in small startup. That's now a unicorn. And, um, you know, the guy I interviewed with said, eh, no. And that was, I was like, wow, that's my two buddies work here. Like if I can't get a job here, this is what the heck am I going to do? But at the end of the day, I had to look in and say, hey, well, what can I do better? How can, how can I, you know, through reflection, through learning, go, okay, I can look at myself differently and I can, you know, show my value differently. And that's, that's what it is. And I think we all come to that is, do you get pissed from that? Because it's easy to get pissed from that of, hey, I was just doing something that was essentially, you know, our work was going to the White House. We were making strategic decisions. I was the point man on the ground leading a team to, yeah, I don't see any value in you. So that, you know, it's hard, but I think 
the more you get pissed about it, the more you make it a us versus them, you fail versus I'm like, well, I need to assimilate into this culture. This is a deployment. This is my big deployment. I'm going into America. I need to learn the culture of business. I need to learn the language. And then once I started doing that, that's when obviously, you know, I started to have success. I, oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I just love so much about what you're saying here. Uh, 2,000 people. 2,000 people. Yeah, if I may, I mean, go back, go back to, I said, I grew up poor. I grew up poor parents on welfare. Uh, you know, there's times no food on the table, no Christmas presents. So I didn't know anything about any industry unless it was going in a factory and working hard or working at a gas station, something like that. So to me, I give the example of banking all the time. People are like, Hey, have you considered banking? I'm like, well, I know there's tellers in the bank I've ever been in and there's somebody in a back office with a suit on. And I've heard of this thing called Wall Street and seen it in some movies. What does banking mean? So I would just start reaching out to people to talk to them and say, hey, let me learn about this. And I did that across every industry because I didn't know what I didn't know and I knew I didn't know a lot. And the more I talked to people, the more I realized I didn't know and I needed to get more information. And anybody that would see you now with how you're serving, you know, anytime I, I go on LinkedIn, your comments to, there's a, there's a, aspect of cheering people on, but there's a resolve and a consistency of your voice to where I would say that you are championing people. So anybody that would see you now from this place, they might just be confused that you had struggles too, that you had gotten knocked back on your heels, that you had to pivot everything that you learned. If someone is getting ready for this major life transition, they're coming out of a, 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 a relationship, maybe it's a divorce, they're going into a second career like you did. Maybe uh, they've sold their business and now they're getting ready for the next big thing. Or they're, they're going to school, major transitions in their lives. Uh, and the, the military is great for frameworks. What would you say would be a few steps, maybe three steps for a person facing this transition so that way they don't get through it, they don't get it done, they accomplish it with excellence. Yeah. For me, I use military plan. That's what we do. Hey, how do we conduct unconventional warfare? Let's go. But how do we simplify that? Hey, what's my goal? What is my goal? If I, I, I have to identify that goal. If not, we're, I'm just out there flapping in the wind. So I have to identify my goal. Then I have to assess where I'm at. What are my true capabilities? What is my true value? Not like, oh, I would like, but no, what is my, this is what I bring to the table, both the good, bad, and the ugly. And then that one's probably here. One's probably here. You know, one, there's a gap there. How do I, how do I cross that gap? Do I get more knowledge? Do I get more certification? Or maybe there is no gap, but I just need to figure out how to make those two meet. So if I can do that, Hey, what's my goal? What am I going to do to get there after I identify where I'm actually at? To me, the, to me, that's, that's how you get there. And a big drive force for me was, Hey, I don't like say it, but I had a very successful military career. I didn't want that to be the only chapter. That's not going to be my tombstone is just that. I wanted more out of life. So I, I backwards planned it. Hey, if I live to be here, how am I going to get there? And that was kind of my goal. And then I, you know, planned towards that. As you are assessing where you're at, so that way you can identify where you want to go, build the bridge. And I love this because there's this theme of work hard, go get your goal and do it with a team. You're not going to do it on your own. How in that assessment phase, 
did you stay ahead of judging yourself? Like being just that, that bastard to yourself. How did you stay ahead of that? Yeah, I, I think that's very easy to do. And I talk to people about this all the time. It's, and you said a little bit ago, like everything looks rosy, right? Everything is great, doing great. Like you don't understand that what a person had to go through to get there. And a lot of times people don't talk about that. And that's where I think it sucks because you look over at this person and you're having struggles and you're like, wow, I'm the only one. No, all of us, all of us go through the struggles and that transition, no matter what that transition is. And you can learn from others by doing that. But that honest self-assessment, and that's where the confidence in myself had to come back in. And the first thing for me was like, I know I was good in the military. Can I be good on the outside, for lack of better words? Not that it's prison, but hey, can I be good on the outside? And really that first time, you know, that program I did up at Dartmouth, that's, that was the best thing that happened for me because I was like, oh, yeah, I can be successful. I got some confidence. I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I bring more value outside of the military. It's not just what I did in uniform. But it was also being honest in the mirror of both good and bad. And I think a lot of times, depending on where you're at, a lot of people can always see the good in themselves and they don't see the bad and they don't understand their, hey, this is what I need to improve. And then the other thing, especially when you're going through tough times or you get, you get, you know, you apply for jobs, nobody wants you, you're, the good starts going down and all you can think of is the bad. So again, you have to be honest with yourself and look at it and go, okay, no. I'm, there's some good in me, there's some bad in me, but the good's outweighing it. Let me stay focused on that. And, and then if you can't, if you don't have anything to fall back on, like, Hey, I've done it before, small victories, you know, Hey, I woke up today. That's a success. I, that's my first victory in the morning. I say something positive. That's something, you know, I get up out of bed, I brush my teeth, I get ready for the day. That's a, mm-hmm. now we're making positive steps and that may seem trivial, but that's something positive that you can use to build towards the next thing. And then next thing, and maybe you did an interview and it didn't go well. Okay, what did go well? Can I focus on that? And just having that balance of perspective of that everybody struggles, and, but you can persevere through it. And the, really the big thing is how much you're going to work hard for it and keep your mind focused. Uh, I, I just I love everything you're saying. So for the person that is maybe they're, they're new to finding that perspective. They're new to that introspection. What would you say, uh, what were some of the practices that set you up for success in terms of looking within to find those answers, to let go of that judgment, to reassure yourself of the positive traits that you have, the gratitude for waking up? How did you create that perspective? Yeah, I I think it was probably over, you know, everything I've done in my life. But to actually be aware of it is set this time aside. And I know like people will be like, Oh, it, it seems counterproductive. If oh, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do this. And I put 30 minutes aside to be like, just reflect. But I'm telling you, if you talk to successful people, a lot of people do that. They, and you don't have to always have it on the calendar, but just take the time to actually think about, think about your life. Think about, you know, what you're doing and where you want to be. And I think that's the first step is to do that is to actually set aside the time to do that. Don't get so busy that you can't do that because you, you need to, if, if you don't believe in yourself, how's other, how are other people going to believe in you? So to me, you got to sit there and find the reason you're going to be confident. For me, I had a lot of stuff I had done successfully. So it, it built confidence and then you go, you get kicked in the teeth and don't get hired or a business fails, something like that, whether it's a marriage, whatever. And you're like, oh, you go back down and you're like, 
have to build that confidence up again, but take the time to do that honest self-assessment. And hey, let's talk to people. It's um, maybe you have a couple trusted people that you talk to and like, you can talk about some stuff you don't talk about at parties, as they say in the movies. And, and, and that can help, you know, and understand, hey, we're going through it together or you've gone through something similar. And sometimes that's the motivation you need. Yeah, absolutely. What's the big goal that you're focused on right now? Like, what are you going after? Yeah, so I, I mean, my whole goal, and this is why I said when I came out of the military, was I don't want to be a statistic. And I know that sounds horrible, but we do have a veteran suicide problem, you know? And let's be real, our time in our country right now is pretty uncertain, you know, crazy COVIDs, you know, and, and then the incidents with injustices and, you know, upheaval, if you will. So it's, it's difficult times, but like, hey, where am I still going on my goal and focused on that? And I don't want to be a statistic. So that's number one. I want to be around for my kids. I want to be there for them. Really, for me, it's all about making a difference. How can I continue to make a difference? Because that's literally what drove me a lot in the military was I was making a difference. So how can I continue to do that? And what that looks like may change, but I'm going to end up keep making a difference. Absolutely. And I appreciate you mentioning the COVID and the quarantines here in the state of Arizona. We just got done off of a a week-long curfew uh, across the entire state, which blew my mind. I, I, I disagree with that on every level uh, because I've been part of that where some dude, the company next to you gets a DUI. Yeah. So now everybody's time off is now secured and it's that the entire population is punished for the actions of one person. And I, I appreciate you said that you earned the right to be able to talk about your military service this way. I see a lot of the discussion. Like if we zoom out from some of just like, what is said to be the issues. I'm noticing a pattern of people who say that they are entitled to the right and not as much conversation around that they have earned the right. It's like, I have this right, but for you and me who served in uniform, like we've earned the right to call ourselves veteran. The Marine Corps is pretty extreme. Like you're called a recruit in basic trading. Yeah. You're, you're like, you earn the title United States Marine. How is it from your perspective about inalienable rights, like universal human rights versus rights to be earned. And are you seeing some of the same muddledness, like murkiness around this concept? No, I, I do see it. I, I have this, you know, similar opinions. And there are a few things, except the Constitution, you know, Bill of Rights, give us a few. These are actual legitimate rights. Okay. Everything else has to be earned. And I've seen it both ways. So a lot of times with veterans, I felt it too. Well, a lot of people tell you, oh, your kid has a green beret. People are going to drop out of the sky, give you 150 grand, say, we want to hire you because you're awesome. I'm still waiting for them to knock on my door. Maybe they just don't know. I don't know. I think I put myself out there pretty good. It just doesn't happen. But when we hear that a lot of times, but no, it's just like you said it right. Every service is a little different, but you earn everything. There's nothing given to you in the military. Nothing. Okay. They give you some uniforms and some chow. Everything else three, is earned. Three hots and a cot, right? Yeah, yeah. The, everything else is earned, but I think that builds character and builds something of of oh, you got to go earn it. Whether it's a promotion, whether it's a school, whether it's an award, whatever, nothing's given. And in the transition, a lot of veterans are like, "Oh no, this is people. Thank you for my service. Thank you for your service means thank you for your service, not thank you for your service. Here's a job. Two different things." So there's that, but I, I've seen all around, you know, society, culture, whatever you want to call it, of this entitlement of like, I deserve this. Well, tell me how you've earned it. You know, like we said, there's the basic, you know, fundamental rights. Yes, that, them are given. 
But after that, you don't deserve anything unless you earn it. And that to me is a huge problem because if you have that attitude, well, Lord help us because you got to go earn it. And if everybody believes they got to go earn it and they're out there fighting for it, uh, working hard, going towards their goals, then you'd be successful. But the more people that think, oh, stuff should just be given to me, that to me is a huge problem. And I know we've seen it overseas of their societies of they become dependent and stuff's given to them and they just lose the will. They lose the will to actually live life and enjoy life and, you know, to prosper. And that to me is a big thing. And that's why I talk a lot of people. You just got to earn it. There's always hurdles. We'll impose hurdles. Society will impose hurdles. I don't care if you're what color, what gender, what, what really, everybody has problems. How are you going to overcome them? Or you can just sit there and complain about the problems. So how are you going to overcome them hurdles and earn it? Uh, and that's why, you know, I always say own your journey. I always think back to the movie Forrest Gump with a feather, you know, and the feathers just flowing like that's not me. You know, it, you can go through life like that. I know a bunch of people that do. A lot of people I grew up with, I have family. Hey, I, that's okay if that's what you want to do. But don't go, hey, I didn't get X. Well, did, what did you do to earn it? What did you do to go after and get it? If, if you can not say you put everything in, hey, go earn it. Yeah. I, I remember when I, I felt entitled to respect uh, because of the rank or the billet. Uh, I was an E5 sergeant and I had an E6 staff sergeant. You, you too. Okay, good. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad it's not just As me. As a corporal on E5, I, yeah, I earned. Give me respect. No, respect's yeah. earned. And I remember I had a, a staff sergeant and uh, he said, uh, Gowan, <laughs> I bring authority to the rank. The rank does not bring authority to me, especially within a 12 man team under staff. So you're, you're going to go into a country, into a mission that's affecting international politics. Uh, we were talking beforehand how some of the actions that you were having on the ground, you were then like, what on speakerphone with the the White House and the Pentagon? I mean, and some of those folks. But what we were reporting up would go there. You know, it's, yeah, it's implicating national policy. And you had a situation. We talked about how you were training a uh, uh, an indigenous force, and the leader was just a tough nut to crack. He had a viewpoint that was contrary to yours, and although you had won over the the rest of his command, it took a special place of influence for, for you to do that. So for people facing that situation where they've influenced a lot of other people, maybe they have some success with influence, but then they come across this like nemesis. They're, they're real focused, like almost like a battle. How? How do you find that different technique, that different tactic, that different way to influence and persuade? How do you win when you have somebody that has just dug their heels in and says, I will not do business with you. I will not play with you. How did you do that? Yeah, I, I think the first thing to realize is you, you may never be able to break through everyone. And I mean, this is the real world. Not so, But you, you said it was trying different tactics, trying different approaches. Uh, I think a lot of times we go, this is what I do. I'm a hammer. I hit nail. I'm a screwdriver. I screw and screw. And that's all we do as a leader. We go, this is my technique or this, wherever I'm at, it doesn't have to be military. This is how I do things. And it's no, you got to change it up. Hopefully you change it up before problems happen, but you got to keep changing up. And that's what I did in that situation was I kept changing up and 
the men that under him, I'd earned their respect. There was no doubt there. Truthfully, they hated the leader. The leader hated me. I wasn't fond of the leader, but again, focusing on the long-term goal, that, that wasn't helpful. So I had to break through them somehow. And I just kept trying different techniques and different techniques. And I finally found one that I was able to break through to him. And he was able to see the light and saw that, oh, I had traveled halfway across the world to help him. Oh, by the way, I volunteered to do it. I didn't have to. And once I was able to finally get him to see the light, that it changed things. Uh, but I had it, I, it wasn't my first thing I tried. It wasn't the third. It was probably about the ninth or 10th way approach to doing it is, hey, and it was kind of one of them Hail Marys of like, if we can't change it here, this is, this is the last thing we can think of. Is this right here? And let's try it. So you, you stayed in there. You stayed focused on the goal. It sounds like you surrendered any ego. <laughs> yeah. So people that know me is I, I don't have I, everybody at the end of the day has some ego, but I, I don't have an ego. And I think that whether it's in this situation in business transition out of the military, ego can be a good thing to have a little, it can be a very bad thing to have a lot. And when you think you're more than important, more important than the situation, whatever that situation is, or whatever the long-term goals of the company yourself are, your nation in the, in this case. And yeah, it was, I had to figure what some, and what somebody thought about me wasn't important. And let's be real. I knew one day I was going to come home. That guy was going to continue living his life. I'll never see him again. So why it wasn't about egos, but I see so many do get caught up in that ego trip and the, it may, I know it's probably, you know, semantics, but pride, ego, pride, and like, no, I'm pride. And like, Hey, swallow that for the mission. And that's a lot of what Green Berets, we have to do with indigenous forces a lot of times is swallow our pride on some things uh, to meet the objectives. Because if we keep the goal in mind, then we could get through everything. But if we start focusing on the noise, you know, my pride, my ego, what somebody over here is saying, what that person thinks of me, then we could get lost from that goal. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It, I think about my time in uniform, you know, we, we were not allowed, especially when I was an officer, it's against the law to speak out against the president. And a lot of people don't understand that the men and women in uniform have voluntarily surrendered their rights to protect yours. Uh, and I, I look at just a lot of the noise, a lot of the hatred, a lot of the vitriol right now in the country because there's a, what seems to be two completely different perspectives of what's going on. And people, I, I'm not seeing them look to learn about the other perspective. Uh, my girlfriend and I were watching a, a YouTube show the other day and she's fairly political. I'm, I'm, I'm still fairly not. And one of the ads came on that doesn't, for a politician for this fall, it, and then she really doesn't like him. And she's like, how can you watch this? And I said, it's essential that I watch this. It is essential that even if I disagree with this candidate and I disagree with what they stand for and I disagree with some of the stuff that they've done in, in their life, that I stay educated to what is the message going out to the people that do support this candidate. Have you, are you facing something similar? Like you're looking at this like, look, I've had my life on the line. You, hi, white guy, you want to do the finger thing? Like, yes, people have uh, wanted to kill me. Yes, I've had to cross the street because uh, people have uh, been scared of me or I've been scared of them. Like there, there's a lot of these things because of our experience abroad. And then we come back and we just have this, this viewpoint. Uh, this, kind of a long question here. Are you seeing something similar? Where there's yeah, yeah. intolerance for learning the other perspective. 
No, that's what it is. And I, I mean, I've seen it and I think it's polarizing and let's, I'll be real, uh, not getting into tactics, but that is some stuff we would do in some other countries to drive a wedge in between people. So we could get one side to work with us and then whatever, whatever, you know, the nation said us policy was, we would help drive that wedge there. You know, that's no secret. We've done it for, you know, hundreds of years uh, going overseas, but to see you here at home. And I always hear people like, Hey, you need to listen. And I think that's the wrong thing. Cause if you're telling me to listen, that means I'm going to have a lecture. What we should have is a discussion and we should attempt to understand each other. We don't have to agree, but we've lost the ability to disagree that if, Hey, I don't agree with what you're saying right now. Oh, I'm taking the headset off. I'm out of here. No, no. Let's have the discussion. Cause at the end of the day, we all want good for our country but we've become so polarized that you can't even have a discussion. And I think the media's played it up. Politicians have played it up and it fires up the people that, you know, works for them. But then we're just getting more and more people on the left, people on the right and people don't even know what side they're on, but they're just sick of it. You know, and, and truthfully, that's why I saw overseas. A lot of people just wanted to live their life. They didn't care what was going on. Just let me be safe and live my life. And I think that's how a lot of Americans are, but, we're so polarized that we can't agree to disagree and, and we should listen, but we should have discussions. You say your viewpoint. I say my viewpoint. We're able to disagree, but we move on. It's not the end of the story. Like, Hey, you like the Red Sox. I like the Yankees. It is example. It's okay. We, it doesn't mean that's the Hatfield McCoys and we're at war for 200 years, or it's the Sunni and Shias in the middle East having war for thousands of years. Like, Hey, let's, let's not forget who we are. We're all under the flag of the United States of America, one country for one prosperous nation. Like we agree, we disagree how to get there, but let's have the conversations and, and we'll learn. And maybe I won't agree with a hundred percent what you said, but I'll agree with 5%. Well, that's better than what we started with. And if you agree with 5%, we, we got that much closer to the middle. And yeah. I think that's what we're losing or have lost. We might've lost it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think there's something to be said for we've had these conversations sitting in a foxhole at three in the morning as the temperature plummets because sunrise is about to come up and you are just doing your best to stay conscious to, to, to keep the, the perimeter safe. And so you have these deep, deep, deep conversations with another person and you are joined at the hip, relying on each other for survival. Uh, I think it's almost a... I never thought I'd be grateful for <laughs> sitting in a fighting hole. But it, it, some of those conversations, it's really added depth of perspective and just how to listen and not agree. But to me, it always comes back because we had a one goal, right? We, we were on a mission. We we're mission focused. It didn't matter what your gender was. It didn't matter your race. It didn't matter your religion. You're next to me. And, you know, I, always, I say this a lot. Like when I call fair support, I didn't check in and go, hey, excuse me, what's, what color is your skin? Okay, no, I knew an American was coming for me or, you know, one of our allies. And same with the medevac, what, I could go on with the list of, I, when I ran into the gunfire, I didn't go, hey, hold on, what's that person's uh, religion? No, I'm not going to do it. No, I did it. And, and then, you know, working in the Middle East, almost most of the people I worked with uh, were Muslim. And, and I'm sitting there in gunfights with them right next to me, left and right. That's who I'm, that, that is my troops. So that's my family, so to speak, even broader than just the U.S., and I think, you know, we, I would have them discussions. That's some of the, probably the best discussions I've had with them is just about life 
and like, hey, and you know, we didn't always agree. And obviously I would hold my tongue on a few things. And let's be real, they probably held their tongue on a few things, but we talked and we gained an understanding of each other. And I think that's what we lost is just that understanding. Yeah, I agree. And I'm excited that because like, maybe this is an upshot. We've been at war for 20 years. We have 20 years of combat veteran experience to lead the grassroots movement, to lead our communities, to lead our neighbors. I am, I am convinced that veterans are and will continue to be the voice of reason because we have been on hell's doorstep, because we've had people actively trying to kill us. Uh, I am optimistic that no. veterans will lead the way. I, I am, and that's why I'm so passionate about helping veterans. I truly believe our country now more than ever needs it. And the more veterans who transition out of the military and land in communities and companies around this country, the better off we're going to be. Because I think we have the ability, and not all, we're generalizing here, but the ability to see through some, some bull crap. You know what I mean? And focus on what matters and be able to build relationships and talk about differences. And I think, you know, some places that's lost uh, in today's day and age and we just need to get it back. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, one piece I want to check in on with you real quick. All these accomplishments, you're clear on the goal. You've got the team. You've done the research. You're at the higher levels of education to really incorporate additional academic learning. So right now for you, what is it that you fear the most? <laughs> uh, I would say it's the thing that's driven me probably forever, failure. And, but not in the sense that I'm afraid to fail because I'll learn from failure, but that drives me. I don't want to fail. But when I do, it's not a failure if I learn from and build for something else. So when I say fear of failure, that, I mean, that's really it. Um, the mediocrity, you know, just being, eh. No, like we get one life and I want to make the most of it. And that's, that's what drives me. I love that. When that fear starts popping up then, what do you do to take command of that? Do you have a ritual? Do you have a mantra? Do you have a practice? What is it that you do to take command of that fear? Yeah. You know, obviously given the situation, but take a breath, uh, refocus, per, gain perspective. I gave a great example that I was scared to post on LinkedIn. I was scared to type a little hundred words and I'm literally like sweating. Like, I can't do this. What will people think of me to do? And then I was like, you idiot. A few months ago, you were getting shot at and running into gunfire. A couple of weeks ago, you jumped out of a plane and you're scared to type a hundred words. So perspective helps me. Yeah. So please hear this, or if you're seeing this, this is a guy who's been there, done that. He has those fears. Action is what really compels you to continue to move forward. Don't judge yourself. Looking to learn from it. I love it. Uh, and you mentioned that you are really excited to help out other veterans. There's a nonprofit that you're associated with. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, SF to Biz. Uh, I, I kind of got upset when I was getting out. of. I, I truly believe that Green Berets, Special Forces, whatever you want to call us, are different. Not better, but we bring a different skill set that has been cultivated through a lot of training and a lot of experience overseas. And when I got I was transitioned out, I didn't see a lot there for how do you translate them skill sets? How do, do people understand that it's just not about, you know, jumping out of a plane and shooting guns and kicking in doors? So start SF to Biz, small nonprofit. Uh, all of us have full-time jobs, so really we just connect people to mentors. And it's small. We want to do more with it, but connect people to mentors that can help them, you know, guide them on their way. 
And SF to Biz is not solely for the special forces community. And if you're interested in how you can support that, where where can they go to learn some more about it? Yeah, SF to Biz dot com, or you can go find me on LinkedIn, Herb Thompson, SF to Biz. I mean, I talk with soldiers from every every branch, you know, Coast Guard, Marines, whatever, every rank. I mean, I think uh, three star general to E four. I don't know if I've talked with an E three, but E four to three star general. Let's if you're in that range, I've talked with somebody at your rank or tons of people, hundreds of people at your rank. Yeah. Thousands. And then your book, The Transition Mission, I'm, I'm guessing because of you being an educator, a teacher for the military, there's lessons in there that even if you haven't been in uniform, it's going to guide you through a transition in your life. Is that, is that correct? It's, it's correct. And I, I may not have understood that as much because I was just focused, hey, I want to help, you know, uh, service members transition it. And actually the editor of the book after, you know, a month or so after editing the book, um, sent me an email and said, Hey, you don't know this, but I've been using the techniques that you talked about in the book as I read it for editing. And I applied for a job I would have never applied for without reading the book. And then when they offered me the job, I negotiated for a higher salary because what you talked about in the book and I got it. Thank you. So and I've heard from a lot of um, non-veterans. There's, there's a little terminology, obviously, you won't understand, but it, it doesn't take away. It's just some easy steps of here's how to, here's how to go about a transition. And, and I talk a little bit about, you know, leaving the military is more than just changing a job. It's changing a way of life. And I get into a little bit of that mental capacity, but that could be the same thing if you're working, you know, somewhere in the you know, Pacific Northwest, and then you move to New York City to take a job on Wall Street. That's a huge life transition also. Uh, so yeah, I've heard lots, lots of um, non-veterans who have, who've read the book and uh, found it helpful. The editor of your book <laughs> used the techniques in your book to get himself a better job and negotiate uh, the terms of that. Uh, way to go. Yeah, she did. And she had never served or anything, but, uh, and I didn't know, obviously she did it, but it was cool to get that. That was for us public, you know, right about the time I was published, she told me that. So it was, it was pretty cool. And do you still keep in contact with her? Uh, we've sent a, we've sent a couple of messages back and forth. Um, you know, maybe if there's a, a book too, I'll, I'll get back a hold of her. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited to hear about book two. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. We're running a little bit out of time. I think we could stay and do this for hours. This is so great. Uh, oh, Transition Mission is the name of the book. The Transition Find it on Mission. Amazon. Amazon, The Transition Mission, like five ninety nine, something like that. Kindle, uh, $6.99 paperback. Um, good, quick read. I've heard a lot of people who said, hey, I read this in one day, but I've gone back to it dozens of times. Uh, you'll get a laugh out of it. Uh, there's, there's some humor. There's some like, oh, that sucks. But uh, I've heard some good things about it. Recently won an award, so that's cool for uh, independent readers uh, or independent publishing. So uh, pretty happy with it. My whole thing is I just want to make a difference, make people's lives better, and that's, that's bringing me joy. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so if you want to connect with Herb, go on LinkedIn, Herb Thompson. And uh, I don't know if there's, there's more than one, but there's only one with the giant beard. So yeah, that's you who you're looking for. Herb Thompson or Herb Thompson SF to biz. Herb Thompson, see the guy with the big beard. That's what most people uh, identify me as. And I, I try to get around telling people I just started growing it during COVID. But it only <laughs> Mustache March. <laughs> uh, Couple closing questions for you here. This was asked to a, a, a fellow combat veteran a little while ago. If you found out for whatever reason uh, that 
tomorrow is your final day on this earth, what would you do? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I think obviously there's some reflection, but I'm going to live, I'm going to make the most out of that day because uh, I only got one day left. So in my case, I want to spend some time with my kids, spend some time with my dog, um, see the American flag, but I'm going to live that day. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and cry. It's one day. Let me, let me go out with a bang. I love that. I love that. And I, normally I challenge people that they, if they haven't done that, if they haven't gone out and played with the dog, been with the kids, seen the American flag, then please make a point of doing that today. Uh, it's different when I'm talking with somebody who's been under fire. Uh, you've already had that. Oh, what if that was it? Uh, so yeah, I love that answer. Uh, I want to acknowledge you before we wrap up with the, the final question here. You are on a mission, Herb. You've served our country your entire adult life. In your current role as a consultant, you're continuing to serve people. You're, you're publishing books. You're influencing people in academia. You are focused on service, teaching, sharing, learning, and you have this humility uh, about you. Uh, and it's not a lack of confidence. It's not like a self-deprecating humility. It's that you know that you have more to learn. And in the process, you're excited to share what you have learned. So I, I really want to acknowledge you for that. It's absolutely inspiring. No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, the day I stop learning, put me in the ground or whatever you're going to do with me because uh, life's over. That's just the thirst for that and then serve others. I mean, it's not an accident that most people end up serving in the military. They they want to serve others. You know, they have a servant mentality. Uh, they want to help others and they get joy from That's where I get joy. People are like, hey, what makes you happy? No, granted, if you want to give me $10 million, I'll figure out a way to spend it and I'll be happy doing it but that's easy to figure out. How do you get joy of helping someone? You see somebody learn and you see somebody else succeeding. You can't pay for that, that inner feeling and that peace that you get from that. That's just, you can only get it by earning it. I love that. Absolutely love it. Uh, let's jump into the final question then. You know where to find Herb, you, the transition mission, SF, the number two biz. Uh, if you want to take a look at that nonprofit. Here's the final question for you, Herb. What is your definition of take command? <laughs> uh, my own my journey. Um, don't let people decide stuff for me. Make the decisions, inform decisions from other people's help. But I and I'm I'm gonna make my decisions for me. I'm gonna live my life, and I'm gonna be me. If that means I'm marching the beat of my own drum, that's fine. I don't care what Sally over here or John over here is doing. I'm gonna live my life. I love it. There you have it. Thank you so much for being on the, uh, the Take Command Conversations. I think we're going to do this again in the future sometime. No, I hope so, man. I loved it. Oh my gosh. Herb is such a humble warrior focused on being in service of others. And his book, when his editor, when she was reading it and editing it, she applied those principles and took action got a different job, negotiated the salary that she wanted, check out that book, link in the description below. And if you enjoyed this episode, then be that hero in someone's life. Share it with them on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you're listening to this. Or if you're on YouTube, send them the link. Uh, or you can go directly to paulgowan.com slash 011. Send that link over and say, hey, let me know what you think about this. I really enjoyed this part of the episode, start that dialogue. Be a giver in your life. 
Share this episode over on Instagrams. Be sure to tag me at paul.gowan. I really appreciate knowing that it's making a difference in your life. And be sure to tag Herb as well. I am so grateful for the wisdom that these guests provide and Herb actually absolutely knocked it out of the park. Would you do me a favor though? Help me grow. Leave me a rating and a comment. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what I can do to improve. Let me know what stood out to you the most. Help me help others take command in their life. The mission of the Take Command Project is to bring people together, the brightest, the smartest, the most experienced individuals from all of these different walks of life, and really call out the lessons that they learned to help you take command of the next level of success in your life of your relationships and of your business. You now have some additional knowledge. To reach that next level, put it into action. And if you want some help, then head over to paulgowan.com slash apply. I'm currently accepting clients and my team and I are really excited to take a look at your application and see if you'd be a good fit for the Take Command transformation. Some of the people that have come out of this program have been able to grow their business and sell it for seven figures. Some people have said they got their life back. They got their family back. They were able to release judgment and forgive people, even if those people are no longer in uh, their lives today or even on this planet. The, The results are vast, but they are prolific. If you want to take a look at what that can do, this take command transformation in your life, in your relationships, in your business, then head over to paulgowan.com slash apply. I am so grateful for Herb Thompson, his service to America, and how he continues to serve people out of uniform. Remember what Martin Luther King Jr. said at the beginning of this episode. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But by all means, keep moving. Wherever you're at, whatever transition that you are in, keep moving. Use some of these techniques that Herb called out and reach out to the community for support. You can do this, my friend. I believe in you. And if you haven't had somebody tell you that recently, then hear me clearly. I believe in you. I love you. I know that you can apply these techniques from this conversation and the other ones and really go after your goals. Really go after what that more is that you want in your life. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, you know what time it is now. It's time to take command so you can lead the life of your dreams.